Well, good morning. My name is Jeff Hubbard. I've been absent for the past two weeks. Uh, We've been on vacation, and so thank you guys for the time of rest. Uh, But man, you guys had some great preaching with Barry uh, and with my dad, and so I'm thankful for men of God. Listen, both of those guys that preached over these past two weeks have been faithful servants of the Lord for many, many, many years, and so we're blessed to have them, and so I'm thankful uh, that they do a fantastic job uh, while we're away on vacation, and so uh, I'm glad to be back. I'm a little bit supercharged, a little bit too relaxed, uh, so ready to go. But uh, this morning, I'm going to start a sermon series uh, called The Trinity, Three in One. It's okay. But before we do that, I know we have that our kids are in here. Uh, if you are a kid, just go ahead and put your hand up here like this. Listen, if you're an adult, go ahead and give that kid a high five, okay? Man, we are glad that you guys are in here. Uh, this is Family First Sunday for us. Why do we do Family First Sunday? The reason that we feel that this is so important is that we need need to worship as family sometimes. And so a first Sunday of every month here at Blue Bible Church uh, is family first Sunday. Uh, One of the reasons I'm an old youth pastor from about a hundred years ago. And uh, one of the things that broke my heart was that kids would graduate from high school, have no attachment to the church because they've been in children's ministries and different places like that. And so they didn't know what parents did in this big auditorium and things like that. And so this is to bridge that gap that we worship together as families at least once a month. And so we're we're glad that you guys are in here. Uh, we're glad that you guys are a part of our church. Uh, and this also gives our volunteers a little bit of a break uh, for, for them and so they can kind of go back to things. But when you think about the Trinity, if I were to ask you the question and say, explain to me in five sentences the Trinity. How many of you would go, I got you, I got you. Listen, this is a tough thing for us to explain. This is something that limits our knowledge a lot of times in how we describe this, how we explain this. And so one of the things that's happened in the church and in the Christian community is anything that is difficult for us to talk about, we pull back and just act like, well, we don't know. We just, we, we're, we're content with not knowing, not understanding anything that goes along with that. But listen, I want you to understand, as Christians, we have a mandate and a responsibility to grow in our spiritual walk. Amen? Listen, getting by is not what our responsibility is to do. We are to continually grow in our relationship with Christ. And I love what 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 15 says. It says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. And listen to what it says, rightly handling the word of truth. Listen, this series over the next four weeks as we dig into the Trinity, as we understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this series is to help you grow in that understanding. Listen, if you'll be here for these next four weeks, I promise you at the end of that, when somebody asks you and says, explain to me the Trinity, you'll be able to. Listen, this is why this is important to me, important to us as a church, because the world around us is asking many questions, and so many believers don't have the answers because we haven't studied it to the depths of what we need to. And so I hope that you'll join us. But before we kind of dig into this as the Trinity, this is something that's a little bit hard for us to understand. So I want you to think with me some of the things that are difficult for you and I to understand. The first one is attraction. Why are we attracted to the people that we are? Listen, this is no more evident than when you see a really ugly dude with a really pretty lady. And you wonder, what did she see in him? Can I get an amen? 
Now, some of you are those guys. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, listen, I, I want you to be honest. I want you to know, but understand, I was amazed that my wife found me attractive. You can amen that. For the first three months, I didn't take my hat off because she thought I had hair. Surprise. (laughs) This is me. But when you understand that we're attracted to certain things, realize some of you like certain restaurants and you go there over and over. Listen, one of the things that's very different about my wife and I, my wife loves Mexican food. I hate it. I got to be honest. I mean, why do you want something that sits that heavy on you? Like, I, I, I don't understand it. Listen, we have some that enjoy certain hobbies. One of our guys that is in the first service just went and ran with the bulls in Spain. Now, for some of you, that seems like an exciting idea. For me, that doesn't run faster than a bull, it's not fun. Right? So when you think about why are we drawn to certain hobbies, why do people want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? Why do people like to wakeboard or do fishing or all these different things like that? We're all attracted to very different things. Attraction's hard to understand. So, but do we look at our, our, our spouse and say, listen, I don't understand it. I really love you. I'm really drawn to you, but I don't want to be with you. No, we try to know more and understand more and grow in that relationship. Another one, yawning. Why do we yawn? Does anybody, listen, does anybody know the reason why? Here's a couple of theories. Nobody in medical professional really fully understands this. This means, one of the theories is that yawning wakes up the brain. Now listen, for some of you, you need to yawn right now (laughs) and wake that thing up. Yawning helps the brain cool down is another theory. Listen, after we get done studying the Trinity this morning, you may need to yawn because there's going to be smoke coming out of your ears as we study this. But here's my favorite part. (sighs) It's contagious. How many of you yawned after I yawned? Okay, good. The others of you, it is a proven fact that if you don't yawn when others yawn, you are considered a psychopath. (laughs) Whew, we're going to be in church for a while this morning, right? (laughs) Listen, this is some of the theories, but why do we yawn? Why do we, what does this even mean? Why do we do this? And then the third thing, and then we'll move to scripture, is tickling. Listen, I don't understand why certain things tickle, but they tickle. Can you just, I mean, we agree. I don't understand why some people are more ticklish. The the, the possible explanations are skin sensitivity, protection of sensitive areas, but there is nothing for sure. And so listen, if you find the person yawning next to you during the sermon, tickle them. Okay? So just help me out with that. I can't see you guys this morning, so I just need a little bit of help with that area. But when you think about the Trinity, this is something that's really tough for us to explain. It's hard for us to really genuinely lay out to somebody what this understanding is. So let me give you an early explanation of what this is. Listen to these words, please. God is one God and exists in three persons who are all God. This is the Trinity. Let me read that one more time because this is our working definition for the next four weeks. 
God is one God and exists in three persons who are all God. This is the Trinity. Let me give you a picture and a diagram that kind of gives a summation of what this is. When you think about the Father and the outside triangle, the Father is not the Son. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. But all three of these are God. This is why it's called three in one. This is considered the Godhead, if you will. So the explanation and the understanding of who the Trinity is is very difficult for us to understand. It's something that when we begin to try uh, to explain it to other people, we as believers don't need to quit trying. We need to study this more to be able to explain it and help other people understand. And so one of the major problems is that Christians don't want to study or work hard to know the tough things in Scripture. Listen, I can tell you from somebody that has preached the word for almost 20 years at this point, who has studied this in Bible college before that, who has grown up in a pastor's home. This is one of the tougher things for us to understand. But I think one of the problems that we've taken over in church and in the Christian faith is that if something is difficult, we just leave it on a shelf and we don't pick it up and we don't try to understand it anymore. The reality is that the world around us is asking these questions and we are believing it in faith, but we cannot explain the things of God like we should. So listen, I want to challenge my kids. How many of you started school this, this past week? How many of you start school this next week? How many of you kids want to be smarter by the time school ends? Okay, I was expecting a few more hands. <laughs> Some of you are just looking forward to recess and lunch. I get it. But the reality is the reason that school is so important for you as a child is so that you can learn how to be productive members of society. Listen, for some in the church, we've taken the opposite approach. The less I know, the better. And I tell you, the world around you is suffering because you don't know the things of God like you should. Kids, as much as you study in school and study math and English and science and all of these great subjects, knowing God and having a personal relationship with him should be the thing that you study for the rest of your life. Amen, church? Man, some, it's hard to say that amen because it's not a priority to us. So here's understanding this hard explanation. We want the easiest approach. And listen, for some, they just, they just want to know enough to be dangerous. And I tell you, the time for those days is over. The world around us is asking so many questions. And we as believers need to know the answers and need to understand that Scripture answers every person's question. Realize that this presence of all three, that they have always been present. There's a misconception that the Holy Spirit began in Acts chapter 2, but the Holy Spirit has always been present. That Jesus was in heaven before he came to this earth. And so I want to look at a few passages of scripture that give us all three being present in one passage of scripture or at one event. And the first is in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17, where we see the baptism of Jesus Christ. 
leading up to this, John the Baptist had kind of gone before Christ and prepared the way for Jesus to be here. When John the Baptist meets Jesus, he begins to understand that he is the Christ. So Jesus approaches him and says, I want to get baptized. And John says, I'm not worthy to loose my sandals to baptizing you. And so listen, it's hard for us even to truly comprehend why Jesus would be baptized. But this morning, as we do a baptism for those that have accepted Christ, the reason that we still do it is it pictures the Godhead three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that we are an old creature that has passed away and that we are new in Christ. So let's look at this in verse 16. He says, and when Jesus was baptized immediately up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him. Listen, when he, at this baptism, at his baptism, Jesus was present. He was in earthly form. He had left heaven and came to this earth so that he was present The next thing that we see, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. The next thing that we see at Jesus's baptism is that a dove ascends and they call it the representation of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was present at Jesus's baptism. Then the last, and we behold a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Realize that this presence was there, that this voice began to speak, and that all three members of the Godhead were present at this occasion. Listen, this is an important thing for us to begin to understand, that we know that that presence is still represented and still present in our lives today. I love what Paul kind of reiterates in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11 through 14. Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth and he has kind of challenged them and he has encouraged them to live more for Christ. Imagine what Paul would write us a letter and he would tell us, hey, you need to be stronger in your faith. You need to know these things. You need to be challenged in this area. You need to be working towards this. You as a church, be unified. All of these things are laid out, but then he gives the key to it in his final conclusion of this letter. He says, finally, brothers... Rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace. Now imagine if just the world around you got that. Man, imagine just if in your household understood this. I don't know about you, but going back to school is chaos at a house, right? Man, Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? Listen, it was very simple in my day. My parents said, did you make your sandwich? Yes. Grab your lunchbox. Yep. Good. Go. (laughs) Cool. Got it. Man, when you think about the understanding of chaos and understanding that peace can be there, the only way that we know this is what he says in in the next couple of verses. Verse 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. Man, Please don't do that to me today. But verse 13, all the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the presence of Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. 
And I, I would contend and tell you this morning that maybe the reason that you're having a very difficult time living for Christ is that you don't understand how the, the, the Trinity works. And when we think about it from this perspective, knowing that Jesus was sitting at the right hand of the Father and came to this earth to die for our sins. When we begin to understand that the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us, if we are believers, he lives inside of us, he convicts us, he leads us, he guides us and gives us direction. We understand that God the Father, that he is over everything, that he never fails, he never changes, he always is a great heavenly father. When we begin to understand those things, our growth is evident around us. So I want you to think with me this morning. What's so important about the Trinity? Why is it that on Family First Sunday, why is it that we would take a whole month and begin to digest this? Let me give you a few reasons why this is so important. And so listen, the the upcoming weeks will focus on each individual aspect of the Trinity because I think that explains it the best way. But this morning, I want you to think of the whole. The first thing that's important about the Trinity is that the Trinity distinguishes our God. Realize that there's many videos and there's many things that are being put out right now that are saying that God is the same to the Muslims, to the Jews, to every other religion, that he is exactly the same. And I would contend to you and tell you that it's not. Understand these words. Many assume Muslims, Jews, and Christians worship the same God. In reality, Muslims and non-Messianic Jews, those that believe in the Old Testament that Jesus was not the Christ, profess a mono-personal God, that is singular personal God, rather than the tri-personal God of the Trinity. Listen, this distinction is critical. If you understand who Jesus is in in the Muslim faith, he is considered a prophet or a good teacher. If you understand from uh, the, the Jewish faith that they do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, this is the missing understanding of them not knowing the Trinity in its whole. Realize that that is a key distinction. We can't be all lumped into this same lump of things that worship this God because God is distinct in who he is. He is the heavenly father, the son of God, and the Holy Spirit. When you begin to identify these things, this, this explanation comes with it. And, and I love that this triune God or this tri-personal God is given to it. Because if it were only about power, one God would not share his power with two others. It's not a power trip that our God is on. It is effective in leading and guiding and directing us. I love the understanding that in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, he talks about the Godhead being one and anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Listen, the Trinity explains how God was loved before he created. The three persons divinely and eternally loved one another. He has always in himself been defined by love. And When we begin to understand this, let me give you kind of a a small illustration. Does anybody have a best friend? Does anybody have a close friend that they're really close to? Um, 
Is it weird when your best friend invites somebody else to hang out with you guys? I get, you go, man, there's three of us now. So like, all, this is how the dynamics work. Well, why are you taking her side? Well, what, you think he's better than, listen, three is tough to deal with on a lot of fronts. And to know and understand that God had three in one, all love and work together perfectly. It's an incredible miracle all in itself. And it's important for us to understand that this is not multiple gods like Hinduism, but one God in three persons. That's who the Trinity is. The second thing that, the Trinity, the, that is important about us, knowing who the Trinity is. Second is this, the Trinity helps us understand the Old Testament. Realize that in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit being there even then. And, but it's talking about the plurality within God. And I love what verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Realize that the Holy Spirit didn't just show up one day. He's always been Realize that Jesus didn't earthly form himself and become man. He left heaven for us. Can I be real with you for just a second? I don't know that I would leave heaven for y'all. That's how much Jesus loves us. And it helps us understand the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and verse 27, God refers to himself by the plural pronouns, we and us. It's not me or individual, it's we and us. The third thing that comes with this is that the Trinity provides a structure for the New Testament. Man, Christ was not a created human. He left heaven to be with us in the form of a man. While he was fully human, he was also fully God. I love the understanding in John chapter one and verse one. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Realize his presence has always been and he left heaven and he died on the cross. Imagine this. I always think about the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is wrestling with this final task. I'm gonna be separated from you and take on the sins of the world. Listen, I want you to understand that the Trinity represents a good and gracious God that loves you and cares for you. Listen, when we begin to understand this, we begin to know more about who God is. Fourth thing is this, the Trinity is the basis of our relationship to God and his church. He was perfectly fulfilled without us. Catch this, because I, I, I had like a misconception when I was in Bible college that somebody said, one of my professors said, God doesn't need you. And I was like, sweet, I'm out. I missed it. God doesn't need you, but he loves you. Man, because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were perfectly unified before the creation of the world, loving, 
serving and glorifying one another, we can be confident God didn't create us out of a needy desire to fill an inner relational void. This is good news for us. Why? Because we could never do that. And he lovingly chose to create us, inviting us to enjoy and be fulfilled by the overflow of all God that is within himself. And this is the God that we serve. This is why understanding his relationship as the Godhead, we understand how important the church is. And then lastly is this. The Trinity explains our mission. And when we begin to see this in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 through 20, we see that the Great Commission, the task that is given to us as the church, the task that's laid out before us, the thing that we as Christians should be fulfilling. He says in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 through 20, and Jesus came and said to them, these were his final words as before he ascended into heaven. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, get that. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I share with you, We've forgotten this task altogether. And I think one of the reasons that we've forgotten how important this task is is that we've forgotten that the Trinity is here to work with us. Man, nothing creates more boldness in my faith than when I know God. When I can answer the questions that are laid out before me. Listen, I think we as a a, a church and a Christian community have kind of become anemic within our spiritual walk and it shows. Instead of telling others about Christ and their relationship with Christ and living evidently and beginning to study to show thyself approved, we have just stopped talking all together. I tell you, it's probably because of a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding of the Trinity. Listen, the only way that we accomplish this mission as believers is to know that the Trinity and know who he is. When you realize that the gospel message, the good news that we should be sharing with other people is this, God loves you. He cares for you. You don't have to continue to live in your sin. He can forgive you. For some reason, we think that it stops there. It doesn't. That act in a spiritual, uh, in a, a, a theological setting is called justification. This is the act of accepting Christ, placing your faith and trust in Christ. But there's another term that I hope that you'll begin to get familiar with, which is called sanctification. This sanctification is becoming more and more like Christ, that we would live righteous lives. And the only way that we do that, the only way that we're able to fulfill that is if we will grow in our spiritual walk. So I tell you this morning, we need to know the Trinity. We need to know and understand the Godhead three in one. 
So let me close with this. The reality is, in a full understanding, that we'll never know the true depths of God. We're not God. But it should not stop us from continually striving and trying to know him more. So let me, let, let me read a quote to you. As I read this quote by Caitlin Feebles, I was fascinated with the depths of these words. She says, As we draw near to God, we can assure ourselves that he reveals himself to those who seek him. Based on Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 12 and Hebrews 11 verse 6. He says, the more rightly we perceive him, the more deeply we can treasure him, the more fully we can worship him, and the more passionately we can join him in his work throughout the world. As I, I, I read those words, I didn't know who Caitlin Feebles was. And as I, I was looking to try to find the next Beth Moore, the next Priscilla Shire, the next deep theologian that comes with this, I was amazed to find out who Caitlin Feebles is. She's not a pastor's wife. She's not a professor. She works for corporate Chick-fil-A, graduated from UGA, and writes on the side. I thought to myself, what? I don't know about you, but the depth and the power of those words were from a lady who works regularly at Chick-fil-A. And it burdened me and it provoked this understanding and this desire in me that it doesn't matter what your career path is, what your job is. Now listen, all of you may not be writers and may not be this in depth and where you are, but all of us should be studying the word of God in this fashion. We've become comfortable knowing that somebody else would know the answer for us. So I don't know about you, but truth is getting harder and harder to find in our society. And it's actually becoming more relative. Well, truth for you is truth, but truth for me is truth. And if our truths don't align, then that's okay, because what's true for you is maybe not what's true for me. Can I tell you? It's complete garbage. The only truth that we have that we can hold on to is this word. This is truth. If it doesn't match this, if it doesn't measure this, if it doesn't hold fast to the truth test that scripture lays out before us, it is not true. It is false. My concern as a pastor, as a shepherd, as somebody that genuinely loves you and cares about you, is that you become so anemic in your spiritual life that you're easily swayed away from God. 
book of James says an unstable man is unstable in all of his ways. He's tossed to and fro like the wind and the waves of a boat. It's never more true than what you see in society today. So I challenge you to become deeply passionate about the things of God. Kids, as you go back to school, I hope that you'll ask your parents and say, I need to know more about the word of God. Can we do family discipleship, family Bible studies together? Man, I need to know this. Man, Shane and Deborah and children's ministry talk about this. Pat and Alicia talk about this in youth. I want to know more about who God is. Listen, parents, as much as it is to teach your children math, science, and all the education that goes along with this, it is equally as important for you to teach them who God is, how he functions, and who the Trinity is. Ken Ham says a statement that children and their faith is tested from the first grade or second grade on. You say, wait, what, am I, what do you mean? The fact that they believe that God created the earth in a literal creation or that a big bang took place. It's the first instance where a child is questioned in their faith. Listen, if we as parents have not prepared our children, it's the first time that they're going to question and say, did God really do it this way? If you haven't shared scripture with them so that they can be deeply founded in those words and that understanding, they're going to get swayed by somebody else. Why is understanding the Trinity important? Because it's about knowing God. Everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes just for a second. I know that when you speak a message on the Trinity and you speak a message like this, it's, it's hard to, to fully grasp. But I want to challenge you and encourage you a little bit this morning that God reveals himself to you when you spend time in his word. That maybe you've come in here this morning just a, a little bit anemic from from knowing who God is and maybe the Trinity has been that thing that you've looked at for many years and just said, I, I, I trust it, I get it, I, I place my faith in it, I know that it exists, but I'm not really worried about knowing what it is. I'll tell you, the world around you is going to begin to ask those questions and say, how do you serve three gods? It's time for us as a church, time for us as Christians to do exactly as scripture says, to study, to show thyself approved. The reason that people are falling away from church at a rapid rate, falling away from the Christian faith, falling away from so many things that are the things of God is because they haven't deepened their faith. I challenge you this morning, stick with us the next four weeks and learn more about the Trinity understand who he is so that your faith may be strengthened. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning celebrating your word, understanding and knowing the things that you've laid out before us. Father, I pray for those that are in here that have never 
delved into the understanding of who you actually are. I pray that you would create a hunger, that your Holy Spirit would create a hunger and a thirst for knowing the things of God. Father, may you be lifted up and glorified this morning. Christ's precious and only name we pray. Amen. If everybody would stand, this last song that we're going to sing, it's powerful, not, not just because of who's singing it or the words that are, that are there, but because of the meaning of the words that are being expressed. Listen, if you have never sang in church, I ask you this morning to sing these words loud as a proclamation of knowing who God is. Join with us as we sing this last song.